Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. If such worship can get you to your knees to worship a faithful God, then I don't know what else will. Amen. God is a faithful God. He never changes. Amen. The scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a wonderful God. This morning I want to talk on a, a topic I've entitled obedience. Amen. Obedience. When the children of Israel went out of Egypt, they were overjoyed, you know. They were being set free from centuries of bondage, of hardships. Finally, God sets them free from the hand of Pharaoh. And then they journeyed towards the promised land. This was never going to be a journey that was going to take a day or a few weeks for that matter. This was a long journey. But considering where they were coming from, it did not matter how long they were going to travel. Finally, they were set free. And that's all that mattered to them. So they journeyed. It was on foot those days. You didn't have the best airlines in the world or the best cars. So it was on foot. Men, women, children, and all their livestock journeying. And they grew weary as they traveled. And something happened that was to set the course of history between God and Israel and ultimately affect the destiny of one man that we'll talk about later. As it happened while they were journeying, they were now tired. The Amalekites attacked them. Amen. This was unprovoked. And the Amalekites were the first nation to attack Israel after they left Egypt. Now the battle was hard. It was tough. And remember, they were already weary. And they were losing the battle. God had to intervene. He instructed Moses, lift your hands to the heavens while Joshua and his men fight against Amalek. As long as Moses' hands were lifted high, Joshua and his men were prevailing. But you can imagine, after a while, if your hands are lifted high, you tire. And as Moses' hands will fall down, will come down because of tiredness, the Amalekites will prevail. Moses will lift his hands up and then Israel will prevail. So finally, Aaron and Hare said to Moses, you sit down because you are tired. He sat down and they both held his arms up, one on each side, so that tiredness would not be an issue. And the battle raged on the whole day. It says, until sunset. That's when Israel finally prevailed against the Amalekites. And then they journeyed on. Now fast forward 400 years later, God 
was to do something extraordinary. You see, when the Israelites finally overcame the Amalekites, God made a promise to Moses. And he said to Moses, write this down, which is Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. They had attacked God's people unprovoked. Then God makes this promise. I will blot out their remembrance. Now there was a specific reason that God asked this to be written down because man tends to forget the promises of God. Amen. So it's important that sometimes the promises of God are written down. And I thank God today we are blessed that we have the Bible with us. We can flip through the pages every day and remind ourselves of the promises of God. So in this instance, then Moses writes this down, says for a memorial. And the reason for that is obviously this promise never materialized the following week or month. It took over 400 years. So this book was passed from generation to generation to ensure each generation would remember the promise of God. Then God finally decides to revisit his promise and bring it to pass. Amen. And that brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 15. God calls Saul to bring his promise to pass. Verse 1 to 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 15 reads, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both men and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Amen. Saul had been fighting many wars. If you read before chapter 15, many wars he had been fighting them. And he was victorious in those wars. Amen. So he was a man of war. Skilled in the art of warfare. And as commander of the army, he was used to having his own way, implementing his own tactics and strategies for war. Amen. After all, he was the commander in chief of the army. But then this war that God entrusted to him, it was not any man's war. Amen. This war was not Saul's war. It was God's war. Amen. From over 400 years previously. And God was going to have that war on his own terms. On his own instructions. Amen. But there's one thing that was certain about this war. Victory.
victory was assured. So whoever was entrusted with bringing it to pass did not have to worry about the what ifs. What if I fail? What if I'm defeated? What if we lose our army, we lose our men? The person did not have to worry about that. The victory was assured. It's like us today, if you look at it. Victory is assured for believers. Amen. It's up to us as believers to walk in the precepts of the Lord and watch the Lord bringing victory after victory in our own lives. As watching God fulfill his word in our lives. After all, he says he is a God who watches over his word to perform it in our lives, in your life and my life. Says he is watching over that word to perform it. Saul was well skilled, as I said, and trained. But there was one thing that he had to listen to the Lord. Under this war, there was one big condition. It was to utterly destroy all of Amalek. Amen. So Saul could do everything else that he wanted, how he went about the war. But one thing, destroy everything. And there are a few lessons I've picked out of chapter 15 that I, I believe are helpful to each one of us as believers today. Amen. The first one is that we are equipped and empowered to live obedient lives. If you go further down the story, sadly, Saul was obedient to the Lord. As simple as the instructions were, all things provided, all he had to do was to volunteer himself to fulfill this promise. But he disobeyed later. But it wasn't because God had equipped him for the battle that lay ahead. So we must remember that as believers, we are equipped and empowered to live obedient lives. From verse 4, the first equipment that Saul was given is found in verse 4. It says, So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. By any account, this was a mighty army. Defeat was not in their minds at all. Sometimes God will give you the physical things that you need to prevail. And we just need to flow with that. And the second thing is that Saul was empowered and given authority to win this war. Of course, you may ask, why then did he fail when he was equipped and empowered? There's one thing Saul didn't realize. He had his army, you could see them mighty as they were. But just before he was called to go to war, something happened. Amen. Verse 1, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. 
Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. That's the first thing that happened. As the Lord was ready to fulfill a 400-year promise, his first action was to anoint Saul king over Israel. So Saul was not going to war with a mighty and capable army. He was not going to war as commander of the army with that authority of being commander. But he was going to war with the authority and the power of being king. As the story unfolds, obviously, Saul failed. And the reason that he gives further down the story, he says, the people started taking the spoils from Bethel for themselves. And I was afraid of them, and I let them take the spoils. Now, if you're a commander of the army, very few soldiers ever defy an order of an army commander. You are court-martialed. Perhaps those who do it is perhaps out of foolish bravery. So Saul had the authority to command his army, no, you will not take the spoils. God has instructed us to utterly destroy everything. Now let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, perhaps truly he was afraid. And there were some who were willing and prepared to disobey a commander's order. But then Saul was given higher power. He was now king. No one will dare disobey a king. And Saul should have known that. And he should never have been afraid of his army. As believers, we are empowered as well to walk in obedience to the word of God. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The key word here is through Christ who strengthens us. So we have got to lean on Christ. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for us. Amen. So the battle might seem tough. But scripture says the battle belongs to the Lord. All we need to do is to trust in him and to obey. No fear. Ultimately, that's what caused Saul here, fear. Many a time scripture says, do not fear. Do not fear. Let's trust God that he is capable of seeing us through. Amen. If we could all do it in our own strength, then there would have been no need for a savior because we would have been able to correct our lives and run our lives. But we were not. And God in his abundant grace sent his only son to die for us, to empower us. Amen. So we are empowered to walk in obedience to the word of God. And number two, God is to be obeyed and served on his own terms, not ours. Amen. It seems pretty obvious, but a mighty man like Saul erred in this respect. Amen. Verse 7 of chapter 15 starts off by saying, And Saul attacked the Amalekites, which was good because God had asked him to attack. But from then on, it was downhill. Everything else changed. 
God's command was very clear. Destroy all. Everything. It says utterly destroy all. But verse 9 tells us, but Saul and his people spared King Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. They decided in the course of the war that no, 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 no. Yes, we know what God said, but we are unwilling to do it in this way. Only in our own terms are we willing to go forward with this war. We want that ship. We want that lamb. It looks good. How can that go to such waste? Their own terms. It's the same with King Agag. They were told, destroy all of Amalek. But Saul decides he will take Agag for himself. Now in war, it was more honorable to die fighting than to be captured alive. Amen. Even up to this very day, that principle still really underpins soldiers and the army. They will gladly die for their cause than to be captured alive. Saul knew this. And so he wanted the prestige and the prize of coming back home with the biggest prize of all, your enemy king, and parade him and say, here, I have conquered. But that was never what God wanted. Agag was never meant to come back to Israel. He was meant to perish in Amalek. And secondly, the livestock. The people decided, no, we won't destroy the good ones. Instead, we will bring them back home and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now we have no right to decide how the word of God should have been in order for it to suit our own needs and interests. We may be co-workers with God, but we are not equals with him to decide on what the word should have been, on what the command should have been. But this is what Saul and his men decided in war. Moses started giving the children of Israel instructions just before they went, they entered the promised land. He begins to give them instructions. He was never going to enter the promised land himself. So you can imagine, this is literally his last rise. He is instructing the people of the most important things as they entered the land of Canaan. When he finishes giving them the instructions, he says to them this one thing in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. He's saying to them, you, you have no right to take or decide which instruction should they have been in and which one should they have been out. He says, you have no right to do that. You shall obey the commands of the Lord as they are. And for every believer, that is how our lives should be run as well. We take the word of God in its entirety. We don't pick and choose. 
the parts that we feel suit our circumstances. Amen. God must be obeyed and saved on his own terms and not our terms. And then next, God wants our hearts over our service. Amen. He is interested in our lives and not what we can give him. Saul and his men were coming home to give the best sacrifice possible. These were the best livestock in the land. But God rejected that because it came at the expense of obedience. In order for them to come to that point of bringing the best sacrifice, they disobeyed God. And in verse 20 to 21, and Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which, you have, which should have been utterly destroyed in order that we may sacrifice to the Lord your God. And Samuel says to Saul in verse 22, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. So he says to him, your best is not enough if it comes as a result of disobedience. God is not interested in that. And it's like that in our lives. We can serve God. Give of our time to God. Give of our resources to God. But if it comes at the expense of obedience, that is worthless in the eyes of God. So God rejected this sacrifice that they had planned. But when you take it on its own and see these people coming with a sacrifice, you will think, indeed, this is a noble idea. They are giving their God the best after all, God is always asking for the best from each and every one of us. But God rejected it because of disobedience. You see, with God, the end does not justify the means. Amen. The destination does not justify how you arrived at the destination. God is interested in our journey throughout. That's why some will get to the end and he says, out of my presence, I did not know you. But Lord, did we not do A, B, C, D, E? And he says, I did not know you. The journey matters to God. How we arrive there, what our lives are like when we arrive there, it matters to God. Clearly, Saul and his army did not know that. So they decided we will do our own thing and take these animals for sacrifice. And I wouldn't be surprised if they took these animals also to enrich themselves. Amen. All service and sacrifice we can offer him is worthless unless it comes after the most important sacrifice of all, 
which is our lives in the right standing with God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Number one, holy. Number two, acceptable to God. And he says, which is your reasonable service? I beseech you, I urge you, I beg you, present your lives to God in the right standing. This is what Jesus says to the Pharisees when they come to him. He says, these people, they draw near to me with their mouth. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God would rather have your heart near him rather than anything else that you can offer him. If honor is not accompanied by a right heart, then it means nothing to God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Jesus teaches the people in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. He says to them, Therefore, if you bring a gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, he says, stop there. Stop there. Leave your gift at the altar. Don't, don't sacrifice it. Don't offer it to me. Just leave it there. But go your way and make things right with your brother first and foremost. Put your life in order. When things are in order, then come back and offer your gift. Then it will be a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto me. But go back first. Make things right in your life. Are our lives in the right place and standing with God? Solomon, the wisest man of his time, gives this advice. He says, above all else, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's why your heart and my heart are so important to God. Everything that we do flows from our hearts. Let's guard our hearts jealously, amen, and give them only to God not to disobedience. Hallelujah. David never wanted anything in his heart to come between him and God. And he cries out to God in Psalms 139, verse 23 to 24. This is what he says to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me every day, Lord. Those things that come between me and you, reveal them to me and lead me in the right ways. He was not interested in what he could offer to God. First and foremost, he wanted a life stood in the right place with God. He wanted a heart pure and sold out. To God, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it, everything flows. And lastly, God is to be obeyed out of love, not a fear of the consequences. 
Now, obviously, Saul disobeyed. And the first thing that he says when he missed the prophet Samuel, and he did not know this, that God had already revealed to the prophet that Saul disobeyed my order. So when Saul sees the, uh, the, the prophet, he gives this proclamation, he says in verse 13 of chapter 15, Blessed are you of the Lord, prophet Samuel. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have done what the Lord commanded me to do. But Samuel says, what then is this bleating of sheep? And the lowing of oxen that I hear in the background, what is that? You see, disobedience cannot be hidden. Perhaps we can hide it from men, but not from God. The prophet says, yes, you are telling me you have accomplished the mission of God, but what is the bleating of sheep that I hear in the background? As far as I know, the commandment of the Lord was clear. Utterly destroy everything. Don't bring back anything home, for it is defiled. What then is this sound I hear? Realizing that he has been found out, Saul then changes his story a little bit. He says in verse 15, And Saul said, they, meaning the people, the army, they have brought them, the sheep and the oxen, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, prophet. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. The rest, the ones that we decided they were worth of being destroyed, we have destroyed that. But of course, the best we can't. There's a lot we can do with this best. We can sacrifice to the Lord. Then Samuel says to Saul, verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Now Saul changes his story again. He says, but I have fulfilled the commandment of the Lord. And Saul says to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord has sent me and brought back Agag. So to him bringing back Agag, he doesn't see it as disobedience. He says, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. As if that was not enough, he goes on to verse 21 says, but the people, it's always the people, it's never him, but the people, they took of the plunder of the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things, which should have been utterly destroyed so that they would sacrifice to the Lord. Saul would not accept wrongdoing here. Time and time again, he blames someone. And then finally, in verse 23 to 25 of 1 Samuel chapter 15, the prophet says to him, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because we have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. I'm sure in his wildest dreams, he never thought that the, 
The penalty you would have to pay was the ultimate. Being king is the highest office in the land, the highest authority in the land. Beyond that, there is nothing more to achieve. But now that's being taken from him just because he disobeyed. Sometimes we can think, well, it's a little disobedience here, a little disobedience there. Or big disobedience here. To God, whether it's small or big, is disobedience. And Saul paid the ultimate price. God now rejects him from being king. Now realizing the penalty that he has to pay, Saul now comes out clean. Verse 24, then Saul says to Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, as long as there was no penalty, he was defending himself left, right, and center. It's not me. I did everything that I was asked to. It's the people. They are the ones to blame. But the mission was given to Saul. When Samuel first spoke to Saul, the army was not there in the room. It was Saul and Samuel, and he was given the mission. So he had to take responsibility for the whole mission. On top of that, he was blessed with the biggest blessing ever. Anointed on that day he was given the mission, anointed to be king. But he goes out and decides he will not obey the voice of the Lord. Now realizing, wow, I'm losing the kingship here, then he comes clean. I have sinned. Verse 25, now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. His repentance was based on his disobedience being exposed. What would have happened if no one knew what Saul and his army did in the war? What would have happened? He would never have accepted that he has done any wrong in the sight of God. You see, wrongdoing must be acknowledged and repented out of a genuine remorse and love for God. Not because it has now come to light or it has led to unexpected consequences. Saul chose to listen to the voice of the people over the voice of God. Now, there are many voices all around us every day, including our own voices, which are competing for our attention. But it is only the voice of God that leads to true fulfillment. And we ought to live our lives that way. When God asks us to be obedient, it's not a punishment. God knows best. Amen. He wants the best for us. Most of us know Deuteronomy chapter 28 by heart at this stage. We quote these blessings over our lives time and time again, and that is good. But there is a condition that comes before that because God is a wonderful God. He wants to bless each one of us. And I will take time this morning just to read a few verses, Deuteronomy chapter 28. I will start from verse 1. 
Now again, this is Moses. They are ready to go into the promised land, but there are instructions that they must be reminded of. And he says to them, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. Then it goes on to list the blessings. But there is a, a condition to those blessings coming in our lives. You shall obey the voice of the Lord. Verse 2 says, And all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your hairs, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and knitting bowl. Blessed shall be you, sorry, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, and flee before you seven ways. God wants to bless us. But for us to unlock the blessings of God in our lives, we ought to walk in obedience. Amen. We ought to walk in obedience. As I started in this story, this war against, against Amalek was a fulfillment of a 400-year-old promise. God is a keeper of promise. Amen. I'm sure generations after generations, they will open this book. Remember, it was a, a book of memorial, that's what God said, so that they can remind themselves of the promises of God. This book was passed from one generation to the other so that they will not forget. And they waited patiently, knowing that one day God will come through on his promises. Now, I don't know what promises you are believing God for this morning. Amen. You may have been waiting for God for a long time or for a short time. But God is faithful. Amen. He is faithful to fulfill his promises in our lives. And I don't want any of us going away from this place this morning without getting that opportunity to be prayed for. Amen. The choir can come up if they may. You see, as I said, the reason why the promise of God was written down, it was not for the benefit of God. God never forgets his promises. It was for Israel's benefits. Amen. And the promises of God are here in his word for our benefit. And I invite you this morning, come, let us pray with you. Don't despair. Don't grow weary while waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life. We sang this morning about a mighty God. Don't go out of this place without the mighty God touching your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www 
comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.